0: The RAW Rugby Podcast.
1: Hello and welcome to the RAW Rugby Podcast. I'm Brett McKay. The first buy round coinciding with the Easter weekend means less is more for Super Rugby Pacific. And the brief but exciting South African expedition into Europe is already over, and your place for the biggest and best rugby discussion is the au, Australia's biggest sporting debate. Loved our wonderful chat with Bernard Jackman last week. Absolutely loved it. And thanks so much. And hello indeed to our new Irish listeners and followers who jumped on this week. We hope we can provide the Southern Hemisphere rugby fix you've been looking for. Joining me this and every week, as he always does, the pod's resident ideas man, Harry Jones. Hello, mate.
0: How's it, or should I say, how's it? because there is a great debate about the aspirant in the English language.
2: Hmm. We
0: have had hookers on this show, but perhaps we should consider calling them hookers because in Uruguay they are called hookers. Yes, my lovely co-host, have you known that the H versus H debate is something that has raged across the world and it's primarily a hiberno Anglo pronunciation from Irish Catholic schools in your great country but a lot of words came into the english language just like um just like um herb hotel and hospital once didn't mm. have the h pronounced uh and then we have this class warfare where we have you know do you pronounce it humble or humble but it's become kind of a, <laughs> a debate and uh, and so you know you look at some words like ring which was, is what we say ring now, but it used to have an H on top of it. Uh, there was hulud, which is loud, old English, and hneka. Um In the late 1800s, the H came back. Also, there's a great debate about whether you say H or H. I know Sean Maloney said H and calls me H, um, but I don't know if that's the correct pronunciation. You know, <laughs> And I just, I, I mentioned all of this because it's interesting to me, but also because we are going to possibly have a hooker on this episode. Although, at this exact moment, we don't know if we're having said hooker on. But we've well, had great, great ones. We've had Bernard we Jackman, we've had Phil Kearns, and for our Roar Boars, you know, we need three hookers. So we have to have one more hooker.
1: Yes. Yes. And... I don't know. Hook-
0: I don't know about you, but hookers have changed. To me, when I was uh, playing, uh, hookers were a position for players who didn't know who they were. And it was like, I don't know if you're really a backline player. I don't know if you're really a forward. But we're gonna make you a hooker. That was that seemed to be what hookers were. And now they're sex <laughs> symbols. Um, as as and and you know you have Malcolm Marks, you have Danji yeah. and Julian Montoya.
1: A- angry, um, angry, ugly men, as they were referred to this week. <laughs>
0: And then you have the lovable grubbables like Dane Coles and, um, you know, and then you have Jamie George, who's a prince of a man. So anyway, I just thought you might enjoy a little discussion about the letter H. Do you say H or H?
1: Well, now, now that I'm not prepared for this, I'm sure it's H, but, (laughs) but, you know, I'm not sure. And I've got to admit, this is not where I was expecting this week's intro to go. I know, uh, and I called you the ideas man because you decided we needed a new segment. But I didn't realize that our new segment was going to be origin of a letter.
0: I know, and the H actually went away and it came back in the 1800s when apparently everyone was obsessed with spelling again. They said bring yeah. H back, and so H has had a very troubled history, just I like hookers. hookers. Well, you decided, that and the need... letter H to me are very similar. That it's, it's very difficult to know what they are. Yeah. Okay, fair enough.
1: All right, I'm taking all of this unnoticed. It's, it's been very interesting. You decided this week that we needed a new segment, and we've called it, well, I suppose we've called it now heroes and Zeros. <laughs> <laughs> so you're going to, we're going to, and we're going to try and swap this each week. So you're leading off with this week's hero. So it me.
0: Tough battle, <laughs> tough battle. I'm trying to only pick people who have been on our pod. So it was James Slipper right. who did that's all narrow, the unseen work. Fifty already, unseen work, but it's so it was so unseen that I didn't see it. Uh, it was <laughs> it was him, or it yeah. was The Bachelor, Andrew ah, Calaway. Yes, and yes. Andrew Calaway did three things in one match. He was he was dummied, he dummied, and he dummied himself as well. Mm. So that's a really tough stat to beat.
1: Yeah, yeah. I don't know how you count all those. I don't mm-hmm. know how you count all those. Uh this week's zero is can't call him friend of the pod, but he's certainly been a topic of the pod. And it is Mathieu an Old French friend um who was in the middle for the Exeter Stormers Champions Cup quarterfinal. And I was watching this game, and it was fairly one sided. I'm sure you won't. Mind me saying it. Exeter one it pretty comfortably in the it's true, yeah. Marvin Ori crossed in the 76th minute, and there we had the spectacle of Matthew Renal taking half an hour, it felt, to accept the word of the TMO that Martin Ori had indeed ground the ball. And he was even saying, are you sure? Can you show me a replay where it is definitely on there? And the TMO was saying, Matthew, we have checked every angle. There is downward pressure. He got it down. It's a try, which was a polite way of saying, mate, it's a 76 minute. It's 35-15. Let's just get this game done, for God's sake. It was, it was quite you. incredible how long he took.
2: I love
0: your French accent, by the way. But also, are you, <laughs> are you suggesting that Mathieu was wasting time? I mean, come Look, on.
1: That's your choice of words, Harry. I, I couldn't Ridiculous. possibly speculate around that. Ridiculous, yeah. isn't it? Ridiculous. We mentioned Bernard uh, Bernard Jackman before, and um, so just I've got it. We we don't talk about charts every week because you know they are literally up and down. But the the Bernard Jackman effect was full alive and well this 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 week. Just gone. Here's some some numbers for you in. Great Britain, we are up 135 spots in the rugby charts to 18. In New Zealand, we are up 33 to number 29. We're into the the Australian top 10 for the first time this year. Uh, We jumped into the Irish top 10, then top five, then number three we got to. Uh, We are up 30-odd spots into the top 30 in France, up to number two in Norway, uh, up to number two in Canada. Canada was jumped 60-odd spots. Um, and we spent time in the top 10 in Italy, Sri Lanka, Bermuda, Fiji, and another couple Sri countries Lanka. of countries. though. Yeah. Sri Lanka. So, you know, and and overall, the Bernard Jackman episode has just rocketed into our top 25 episodes already, which means that there's now 13 of 14 2023 episodes in there. So there's already more of this year's episodes in our top 25 than the last year. So... It's just, it's quite incredible. And he was fantastic. We will absolutely have him on. So, yeah, it was great. But, mate, we are on to this week's guest. And it is great to be able to go back to the list of our favorite guests from last year The Raw Rugby Podcast. We crossed the Tasman for the first time in 2023, and from the pod's Auckland studio, we once again welcome college rifles hooker and freelance New Zealand rugby writer and commentator, predominantly for RNZ, but also pop culture and political site, the spin-off, Jamie Wall. Welcome back to the Raw Rugby Podcast.
2: Hello, Brett. Hello, Harry. It's great to be here. Thank oh, you.
1: fantastic. Fantastic. Great to have you back. Uh, what's What's been happening, mate? You've, you've, you're neck deep in worries at the moment. You're trying to work out whether the Blues are back or not. Uh, you know, you're just keeping just just keeping above water?
2: Yeah, it's been a pretty pretty busy last month or so. Obviously, Super mm-hmm. Rugby's really ramped up. Um, had a little bit of a break over the Easter weekend, you know, with the, the buy, buys with the teams. Gave me a little bit of breathing room. But like you said, the Warriors have gotten good now. So uh, <laughs> there's, a lot, there's a lot of media attention on this side of the Tasman um, around them. Uh, but I think... Um, I think at the moment um, the perception is that uh, Super Rugby is, is sort of entering a bit of an interesting phase, at least from yeah, it is. Um, and also, it's been balanced out by the All Black coaching narrative uh, as well, which has yeah, really dominated the media um, over yeah. the last sort of, few months. So, yeah. And it's been fascinating to watch that from from afar because
1: <laughs> we just we just can't believe Harry, can we? How NZR have handled this because every time there is something that needs to be handled, they've managed to do it worse than the last time, which it's incredible.
0: I guess it's so jarring because New Zealand was always the peaceful kingdom in rugby for everyone else. You know, it always seemed like, ah, <laughs> oh, they always do everything right. They have a peaceful succession of power. Uh, there was never any, you know, fight, game of Thrones kind of thing. And now they're just full blown. <clears throat> You know, walking through carcasses and skeletons and fighting. And (laughs) I don't know, it it might end up being the best thing ever. They might end up, you know, winning this year and and then having domination again. Who knows?
1: Yeah. Yeah. It may well be. It may well be. Jamie, we are still starting in the same place. We just started all our episodes last year. And that is simply to say, what stood out for you on the weekend? What tickled your fancy?
2: Uh, I would have to say the continued success of the Hurricanes. Uh, mm. They've had a pretty, well, a very friendly draw uh, to start the season, yeah. uh, and this this fortnight, I think we were really going to find out what they're made of. Uh, obviously, playing the Highlanders, who are you know probably the weakest of the New Zealand teams, but still a reasonably tough proposition down in Dunedin, um, and then the Chiefs next weekend. Um, but uh, they they did what previous Hurricanes teams have struggled to do, which is to kind of just put away these games that they should be winning. Um, mm. They did a really good job on, on Friday night. And um, there's some really exciting prospects uh, coming through that team that, you know, I, I feel like that team's probably a year, two years ahead of schedule and, and yeah. where, they're, where they're at. Um, at the moment, um, but like I said, with the the coaching situation, uh, we just found out uh, in the last couple of days that they're probably going to be losing Jason Holland um, in in the near future. So how they how they actually deal with that? Yeah, to the All Blacks. Yeah, yeah, to into yeah. Scott yeah. Robertson's All black setup. So um, how they actually deal with that with the talent that they've managed to um, both acquire and nurture themselves, which again mm-hmm. is a very unhurricanes way of uh, going about it because um, the Hurricanes region is a place where talent usually goes out of rather than mm. into, um, and so to be able to actually hang on to some really key, good young players is, is really, really promising. Um, so, yeah, I, I quite I quite enjoyed that game. I'm I'm worried about the Highlanders. Um, that I feel like they're kind of moving in the other direction. Uh, it does feel bit. like that, doesn't it? Um, but yeah, it was uh, that 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 game was probably the highlight of the weekend for me. Yeah, we,
1: you, it, you're right when you say it feels like they've got some really promising guys coming forward that's that, that's, and they've really gelled as a team. And, and I know Brett Cameron's out injured at the moment, but already it feels like Roy Gard and Cameron is a 9-10 combination
2: you could build a team around. They've both been exceptional this year already. Well, it's not just Cameron either. They've actually got three pretty promising Yeah. Guys. Um, number 10s on the box. They've got Aiden Morgan as well. Yeah, we played the weekend, yeah. Yeah, and then Ruben Love, who's also out injured as well, who's a a fullback, first five Mm. um, kind of player. But, you know, he's the sort of guy that you probably feel pretty confident um, starting in a Super Rugby game at 10 these days. So that's been an area that obviously a lot of people were worried about once Bowden Barrett left. But uh, it looks like they've they've done, like I said, recruited pretty well and and nurtured Mm. their own talent because – Love is from um, the region. He's from palms North. Cameron is a guy who's sort of had a bit of a rebirth of his career after a very odd um, start to it, where he got picked for the All Blacks when no one really knew who he was, and yeah, (laughs) off the the Crusaders bench basically. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and then uh, went away Japan, came back to the Crusaders, couldn't find a way in there, and has now ended up in the Hurricanes off some really good NPC form. So. Yeah, there, that's, that's one area to think you're of. But, of course, the, the one area where the Hurricanes are always have always been strong is um, Lewis Ford and um, yeah. some really good young talent coming through. We've got Braden yeah. Nielsen um, out of Manawatu and Peter Lackey out of Wellington as well, who uh, are going to be probably doing a lot of work um, next year, because of course Adi Savia is taking a bit of a break to go up and get some Japanese money, um, <laughs> which can't really begrudge him for because no. they are probably be paying him about ten times more than what he's getting down here. So good on him for that. Uh, but um, I think the Hurricanes are in safe hands in that uh, that regard. Um, I a, a, even at Hooker as well. You've got um, Dan Cole's calling it a, calling it a day mm. at the end of the year, but they've got a Safar um coming through as well and um mm. i've been really impressed with xavier numir um yeah prop, who who i reckon might be a little bit of a shout for the all Blacks at, at some stage maybe not this season but i think he's been really really impressive
1: yeah tyra Lomax has been just great up front again um, harry i know you're a bit of a peter lackey fan after his one start there a few weeks ago but what stood out for you on the weekend
0: uh there was a lot actually. Um I thought Jordan Pataya looked like he's playing the best rugby of his career. Yeah. I thought it was fun to see Tate, the mining analyst McDermott, take his anger out on Eddie Jones with scumper <laughs> scampering through the entire team. You yeah. know, a lot just all- also resentment yeah. every every strike of the ball. He was uh, really um, good. I-, <clears throat> I do love EQ from the Rebels. Uh, I wonder mm. I was going Jamie about you know his chances of coming back into the fall maybe for tonga who knows but um and then you know i thought you know the clear top five emerged um this weekend um but i do think what what i want to say is my highlight was to watch Bowden barrett be like he has the full club of he, he can hit any shot when he's kicking the ball <laughs> off his off his boot from the hand like he can float he can Feather, he can do it inside out, he can Mm. do a curve, he can do a fade, he can do a hook, he can give you regulate any kind of height and put it on a dime. And then when he's on the tee, it's just like he's spraying
1: it like I am,
0: yeah, (laughs) he's absolutely
1: spraying it.
0: And I will recommend anyone if you want to watch, you know, some kiwi rugby and just have Jamie Wall's Twitter feed alongside. (laughs) <laughs> it's a good way to watch it's a good way to watch rugby and also i would i would well, i would encourage you to look at the distance between what he writes for print media it's like scholarly scholastic and as the history of wellington uh it will take you through like the tide five of the uh, hurricanes and they're at actually having their best season um uh, and he has really interesting you know um sideline notes about cam uh, roy Gard. and then on his twitter feed it's like fuck robbery uh, Dane Coles is, is my mate. Like, it's beautiful. Like, you get to see the alter ego. It's like Boden <laughs> bo- beating bastard Barrett. Who I really cannot understand anyone being that good with something with your foot in one regard and not in the other. It's like an all rounder who cannot bat. You know, I don't know.
1: Yeah, he's not wrong there, Jamie, is he? He's he's kind of got you.
2: Yeah, he got my number there. Yeah, <laughs> um... I, I felt like I needed to get a bit more attention on Twitter, so I yeah. Decided to act as though I was back at the rugby club, yelling at him. <laughs> <laughs> um, I will say, I will say one thing about Bowden, though. You're absolutely right about him, you know, having every club in the in the bag. But it took him the first nine holes to actually start, oh, to, start, to, start to use dead. him because that game was. I will, I would have said that Bowden's performance was the highlight of the week for me, but it was only half a performance because yeah. the first half. All he did was kick it and kick it badly. Um, mm. I, I hope that the the magic that we saw in the second half of that game um, is going to be something that you can just pick up from next week. Mm. But because his form over here is is causing a lot of headlines at yes. the moment for all the wrong reasons, it um, feels like that.
1: Well, uh, and it's and and his form is causing headlines viewed. Alongside the prism of Richie Moanga, has actually been a little bit off as well. Uh, his goalkeeping's been very good, but his it feels like his general play has been a bit curious.
2: I think I think his his form mirrors that of the Crusaders just in yes, general. Yes, that's season. A Um point. I think if there's one criticism of Moanga, it's that he's a bit of a flat track bully. Yeah, um, he always you know he has his best games against teams that the Crusaders would be. Wiping the floor Speaking, with. anyway, yeah, um, and then that's shown up in the test at test level as well. Um, I think a notable exception being last year at Ellis Park, where he probably had his best test in an All Black All Black jersey, but it was a long time coming. Um, so I think that there is a, quite a bit of conjecture over here about just it, it, whether he is an actual test player or he's just a very good yeah. Super Rugby player. Yeah. And that's pretty. So tight.
0: in a, so a quarterfinal against Ireland tomorrow, who who do you think starts at
2: ten for the All Blacks? Right now, Damian McKenzie. <laughs> oh, there's a literal cat of pigeons. Yeah, um, I mean, I mean that like he he's playing the best rugby right now. Like if you are literally picking a team um, on form, I I still feel like Ian Foster. One of Ian Foster's biggest problems that he hasn't, and, and this is something he inherited from Steve Hansen. It must be said is that he hasn't been able to make a choice on one of these two guys and say yeah. you're our guy going forward we're going to build this team around you you know you're gonna have the weapons you want inside and outside of you mm. um and then have a word to the other guy and say hey look we love you but go yeah. talk to your team Oh, that, um,
0: indec- that indecision will kill you. You look at Eddie Jones in right. England uh, for the the final year, maybe two years. He just couldn't decide on a midfield ten, 9, 10, 8 combination. Look at, look at Dave Rennie
1: yeah. and he, the Wallabies. Look yeah. at how many yeah. tests Noah Lolisio hasn't played in the last two years.
0: Mm.
2: Yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and, and I think that that was Henson's problem at the end of his reign as well yeah. because he had to find a way to shoehorn both these guys into the yes. back line. And it was a plan that he would developed for Damien McKenzie, who got injured in the lead up to the World Cup, and then he tried to replicate it with Bowden Barrett. And that situation has flo- uh, flowed on to what we have at the moment. I don't. I'm not really that confident of him being able to make a decision based on this. Perhaps if Bowen's form continues to be rubbish for the rest of the season, he might have it made up for him.
1: Yeah, yeah, he may, he may well be right. My. My highlight for the weekend is like you mentioned the Reds-Brumbies game, Harry. I'm still astounded that for all the rain and all the storm activity in Brisbane on Friday afternoon and and, and even, even only half an hour before kickoff, the, the women's game, Super W game beforehand was actually suspended for a period of time because there was too much thunder and lightning in the, in the vicinity. Yet those two teams came out and threw that ball around like it was a dry track and we saw 11 tries. It was... Like, and, and, yeah, there was a couple of driving more tries in there, but there was 11 tries and it was just one of the great games of the season. It was quite incredible. It was a, a classic case, Harry, of a game not befitting the the, the the circumstances and the conditions. And we've had a few of them this year, curiously.
0: I mean, the thing about it is whether it's red cards, yellow cards or rain, it just seems like some teams can play with those circumstances and they get on with it and others use yeah. it as excuses, I think a good team is able to throw the ball in the rain. Mm. I mean, there's just a different way you catch. Maybe you take a little bit off of it. Maybe you don't do the vicious spiral as much, you know? Yeah, but, yeah. It, uh, no, it, was, it, was, in it that. was a good match,
1: yeah. You mentioned, uh, you mentioned cards and that neatly neatly segues into the first question I wanted to actually ask. And it felt like we had a couple of a couple of curious ones on the weekend, Jamie. There was a couple of... Well, pretty obvious ones that I think everyone saw, particularly in the um, uh, the first game on Friday that wasn't even a yellow card. Um, we, yeah, we know was, the, Angus, the Angus Blythe one uh, that followed it was a, a curious one as well.
2: Well, I think it's, you're talking about two ends of the scale with those two. Yeah, the, yes. The first one in the Moana uh, versus Crusaders game, I was like, that's a dead set yellow at least and then you use the it's a perfect example to use the referral system yes you know we have it either upgraded order and it was kind of at a point i don't think Moana were going to win that game i don't think so i think the crusaders as as, as average as they were in that match were still had enough in them they kind them.
1: of had it in oh, hand didn't they
2: yeah uh but at the same time it there has been a few grumbles out of moana saying that they're not really getting the rug of the green with the referees and
0: you know, mm. things like
2: that and 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 i think there is a, an element of truth to that and that yeah. that proves it um that the fact that that wasn't even wasn't even looked at i mean if if they just flat out missed it yeah and played on then then i can forgive them for it but he blew a penalty so i'm like yes that's, well, that's the thing you isn't not it? why did you not have a look at it? And then secondly, with the Blythe one, I mean, that proved that the system, which I think has been a really good innovation because yes. they've, they've finally actually taken something from Rugby League and made it better, which yeah. is that they've essentially taken the report system and done it in the game itself. Um, and I've, I've had a chat with Ben O'Keefe about about this, who was the referee who did it. And he's yeah. like, he, he said to me, I just can't wait to get the yellow card out and just keep the game game going. I don't care if it's a red mm. It's not on me. The whole system is yes. designed for someone else to make the decision. And you look at it and you're like, well, that's definitely a red Because, I mean, for no other reason than it was like, it was a flying headbutt, <laughs> basically. That's, and and that's like, the thing. Uh, that, yeah, that's the uh, that's that's important factor. The whole point of the system is for the ref to just <laughs> get, move the whole thing off the field yes. and get the game going again. That's exactly what happened. And unfortunately, the only thing that, held it up was a poor old Corey tool was, you know, knocked out. Yeah. So they had to take precautions over him getting off the field. And again, like for me, the biggest issue I have with the way things are at the moment is that it's like, you can hand out all the cards you like, but it's not going to stop that guy getting knocked out.
1: No, he's still getting,
2: it's not going to cure him of, of the concussion. It's not going to, it's not going to mean he's going to be able to come back next week. Mm. And he's one of their better players. And so the Brumbies are getting penalized as well for something. Twice so, effectively
1: I, because he now he now won't play Fiji on Friday night this, this week. So exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's a it's a curious one and and I saw the question asked rhetorically today uh, in, in print. Um, does the wording of the of the review of the team of TMO review process, the wording of it seems to suggest that it can be upgraded to a 20 minute red, but perhaps that's all. Perhaps the TMO can't say, that's actually a full red and, and actually yeah, effectively yeah. jump two steps.
0: I think that's right. So I think there's an element here of refs you know, being able to give the TMO the hot potato, but mm. then it restricts the ability to go full red. Um, but I do think the process is much better in that it avoids it what Jamie said. The, the tedious on-field discussion, legal discussion, which is ridiculous, right? Because in, yeah. in the heat of the moment, it's hard to make these, these adjudications. Give it to the TMO and they can sit there and do it. But I do think there's a point there of like why that was the quintessential red, right? That was a red, yeah, that was a send send off in nineteen fifty. So mm. it was late <laughs> and it was a head yeah. to the face. So um and it, you know, either I said on Twitter, I said either you going to get sent off or moved. So someone's gonna that's gonna yeah. start a punch up. So I did think it was strange that it was only 20 minutes but I did think that uh, Ben O'Keefe caught all kinds of grief online uh unfairly because it was exactly how it was designed. And he used, uh,
1: he, he used the process perfectly. He perfect, he used the and and yeah. you can hear it now in re, in referees um, and I'm sure you've picked this up as well Jamie they they very quickly say is it yellow card threshold are we all happy with that? Yeah it is. Okay, great. Right. And so it's it's like once there's universal agreement that it's that it's at the yellow card mark they can go Fantastic! Here it is, yellow card. You're off, and then the yep. game carries on. And that's why we we were able to trumpet the fact that they have cut, you know, more than a minute in average in the time that it's taken to deal with cards and warnings and things like that this year. And that was and that was through the first five rounds. So that's not even over yep. a, half a season. Like it's it's had a huge impact already. So, but you're right. In this case, it was it was the ninth minute. angus blyth was yellow carded and then the 14th when it was upgraded so there was still three minutes in theory that they could have used to look at it further if they needed to but maybe there is actually a restriction in being able to go to the full red if it if it warrants it
2: i i also do kind of like the way that he has to go to the sideline and sit there and await his his (laughs) have have a camera on him on these guys when the verdict gets handed down and maybe it gets given to them an envelope and they have to open it. And go, oh! <laughs> oh what, what they should what they should add is they should sit on a yeah.
0: chair over a little pool with a trap door and then if it
1: goes wrong, yeah, we talking into the water. Yeah. Now we're talking. I like your idea though, Jamie. You just instead of yeah at the next at the next time off referee says to, to posing captain, Oh, we've just got to give something to old oh, mate over there on the chair. And he's just handed a yellow legal letter and he opens it. It's a red card.
0: <laughs> I think there's something in this. And make the <laughs> yeah, sideline yeah, yeah. reporter, the, the sideline reporter is the one that does it to give the sideline reporter they, more stuff to yeah. do.
2: But but I'm, i mean seriously, like they're, they're obviously doing a very beer bones version of it at the moment with I just communicate with one of them But if you really wanted to make it part of the broadcast, you know, make it part of the entertainment. There, there, there is some, some really good. Uh, I mean, I mean, some serious kind of, like yeah. ways of, of incorporating it by uh, chucking it on the big screen and having a big red or a green light or something. And, you know, <laughs> yeah. and <if> you <laughs> the green light is up, and you, you yeah. know it's like, it's like the hockey players coming out of the penalty box, sort of thing. You know, a cricket style
1: TMO referral. You know, decision pending. Out. Yes, yeah. Ice yeah. hockey
0: is a really good example. They sit in a little box and they're just reviled by the entire crowd, you know, and they just, just <laughs> disgrace. There,
1: there was some good shots of, of Angus Blythe after he received yeah. the news, and he sort of begrudgingly stood up and he took his tape off his head and he just trudged up the tunnel. And there, there was this great shot from behind him. And he's just. Pounding against the wall
2: because he knew what he'd done, and well, that's what that's what gave me the idea for it. Because obviously, the Australian broadcasters took a a, like a WWE style, you know, way way of dealing with it. The funniest thing about it was while he was standing like pounding on the wall, this poor little uh, it was like a ball boy or a team team official, you know, young young kid sort of walked past him. And he, I think, Blythe looked at him like he was going to punch himself. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: You've done quite enough, Angus. Don't do
0: that. <laughs> he really took yeah. on the role of a villain, Angus. I mean, he was he was chuckling about it. I mean, he really went full bore into the. I want to be the villain.
2: Yeah,
1: and we should, and we should preface all of this by saying that at the point of we're recording, there actually hasn't been any further information from 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 the Sansar foul play review panel as to whether this is going further or not i'll be absolutely stunned if it isn't but at this point in time there hasn't been anything and likewise uh on that yeah potential yellow card which was actually a direct hit to the head wasn't it in the moana yeah. game so there may be more of that yet so we'll 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 see we'll see how that all goes are there concerns jamie uh in new zealand about the state of moana pacifica the last you know, the last, uh, they've, I can imagine that Aaron Major and we've had him on the pod and he's, and he's, and he's humble and he's committed to everything that they're trying to do within that program. But I can also imagine that he's probably getting a little bit tired of the, um, you know, we're getting closer conversation afterwards that he has to do post match. And he's probably, he's probably sick of saying, you know, we just need to be a bit fitter and we need to be able to go for a bit longer and all that because they're just starting to concede a lot of tries all of a sudden.
2: I mean, the short answer to you, your question is yes, and it's uh, last year. You could definitely give them a bit of a, you know, mm-hmm. like excuse because of the the really messy way that the season started for them, and they and the fact that they were able to recover and record a couple of wins is nothing short of amazing, really. Yes, um, but this this season they've come in with more or less the same team. Yeah, um, and. Just don't seem to. Uh,
0: Henry Star Stowers, I think. Yes, a big loss. Yeah.
2: Yeah. 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 Um, and and Sukupi Kepu um, as mm. well. Uh, but, yeah, the fact that they feel like it kind of feels like they're treading water a bit. Yep. Um, the most alarming thing about them is their inability to really just kick on in the second half. Yeah. Um, which, yeah has been a feature of all of their games so far, including the one on the weekend. Like, the, the game against Crusaders was easily their best performance of the year. They did have a pretty yeah. close loss to the draw in the first game, but I, I don't yeah. really read a lot into that because I think both those teams would have come together quite late. Um, but so for them to be leading Crusaders at halftime was, was pretty pretty impressive.
1: And uh, and sure. deservedly so, I Absolutely. felt.
2: Yeah. 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 It was yeah. Off, and it was off the back of some pretty pretty mammoth efforts by um mm. uh, Levi Amoa and Timusi. Oh you're so good. Noah, yeah. Levi Amor is one yeah. of the best players yeah.
0: in the world. I mean yeah. unbelievable. Yeah.
2: And but but the issue again was that once the clock ticked past the sort of 55, 60 minute mark, they ran out of gas. Yeah. And they didn't score any points in the second half. Either. They, did they not, were yeah. there or there, but you know they were it was a better second half performance than say against the Hurricanes where they lost fifty nine 0 but even that was kind of – they were kind of in touch at halftime and then they just completely yeah. just lost interest in the whole thing. But I think that on-field is one thing, kind of what's happening off the field is, is something that's kind of concerning as well because they're not drawing the crowds at yeah. all um, at Mount Smart. Um, their, their, their home crowds are – virtually non-existent they haven't really captured the public's imagination here but mm. they, they haven't been helped at all by the fact that like the Warriors are back playing in the same I was going to say
1: the fact that the Warriors uh, are doing quite well in yeah. the same uh, that they, they
2: that's that's a market that they were trying to tap into I'm not really sure why that didn't seem to make any sense you're not going to prize um people away from the Warriors Um, they and then of course they were going up against another fan market in the Blues, Mm. uh, who were very, very vocal about the fact that they already see themselves as Auckland's Pacifica team. Yeah, you know, there's been many great All Blacks and and players of Pacific heritage who have played for the Blues. That's the Blues identity that they see Mm. it, and they weren't very happy about someone else coming in and kind of assuming that on top of it so they've done quite a lot to keep those keep their fans that they see engaged in that aspect of their brand um to themselves yeah. and I've done it so it didn't really leave much left over for Moana to um kind of engage with uh, so there's that aspect of it all and then we mentioned Levi Amoa uh before as well he's having a fantastic season on top of last year making the all-blacks 15 oh, All yeah yeah and so you know we've got the best player and who's he most likely to be playing for? Uh, the All Blacks. Um, but he's playing for a team that is supposed to be providing players for Samoa and Tonga. Yeah, and yeah. So now the whole point of what Minor Pacifica is about is getting questioned as well and their relationship with New Zealand rugby. Yes. Because they weren't supposed to be a New Zealand team, they were supposed to be a team that was based in Auckland that represented Samoa and Islands. Tonga and common yeah. players. The islands and that hopefully one day would actually move to the islands to be part yeah. of that and right now that's looking as far away as possible they just look like another part of the uh yeah the all like, black um they look, they, look like a they look like a yeah. sixth they look like a
1: sixth as you mentioned they didn't score a point in the second half i i wrote that that piece last week talking about the last 25 minutes in games and at that point last week they hadn't scored in the last 25 minutes I think in four out of the six games and they've just done it again so that's now five times they've not scored in the back end of games at all and that's it's got to be a concern They've conceded 30 points 30 tries in the last four games
2: yeah
0: I mean in full disclosure we we are good friends with Mona Pacifica we love them we talk to them ins and outs and I, I was just wondering if you know to Jamie's point there's some um I don't know fundamental problems so it's set up differently than any other sports club in the whole world it's uh owned by trust and it, the trust is for on behalf of pacifica people but it's so amorphous because part of having uh, a boardroom or back office that really cares and can make quick changes it's almost like they cannot because there's no one really driving it it's still yeah. sort of overseen by nzru it's it's uh it, it doesn't really have a home i mean like if, you, if they played in tonga and samoa you would imagine they would have, have quite a few wins yeah by now. look at uh look at the fijian team just beating anybody when you go somewhere else So i think in a way it's sort of like not not enough of either way it's like mm. it's a it's a little bit of a a bland version of pacifica rugby um and i don't know if it's fixable because of the actual vehicle under which they're owned and operated yeah i mean that, that's just my so
1: so how so how important jamie is it going to be this friday night hosting queensland in Arpia the first time they'll actually play on mm-hmm. pacific island turf
2: well it's huge i because I, I think that this is this is the this is where we're going to see how much it means um, yeah. to the players like obviously they're going to get a massive emotional boost out of being there we saw what happened what's happened with the draw yeah absolutely. slightly different case obviously that that you know it doesn't help minor as well that the, the drawer uh, they're constantly getting compared to them. Um, when the yeah, drawer have sure. been around for a few years, they obviously have the support of their their own rugby union and like a lot more talent to choose from from a national setup um, and a very very engaged uh, audience at home. Mm-hmm as well that, that loves shaking the roof off those rickety stadiums that, that's, uh, <laughs> uh, but just how much Moana can engage the population Apia is going to be quite fascinating I'm, I'm really interested in this whole mm-hmm. thing I feel like it could kind of go either way on this um you know the reds the Reds are going to be showing up wanting to win they have to you know yes, so they're, coming yes. Off, they're coming off a very uh very disappointing result they have got a coach who's under pressure um, as well so it's they're not going to be treating it like a holiday um, as well and they'll be thinking well they're not going to be able to they, well, they, they can't and I mean this is and also Moana haven't won a game all year so they'll, yeah. they'll, the Reds will be pretty confident of this so just how much playing at home for them is going to be um, is is, is going to really kind of I think set the tone for how how it moves forward and Harry your point is really correct about how there's no one. There's no sort of force driving this thing. This is this is going to be the measure of 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 how New Zealand rugby is going to treat this from now on, and um, how much they're going to want to, I guess, outsource games um, to the Pacific because this is what this team should be doing, you know. Exactly. Um, and and but the will has to be there from the people who are kind of um writing the checks and that unfortunately is new zealand rugby which is a kind of a microcosm of how that whole landscape has worked this relationship between um new zealand and the pacific islands uh has been forever really rugby on the raw
1: jamie i'm curious to know uh, how well the the law variations in super rugby Pacific this year have been viewed in New Zealand. We know, we've mentioned the 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 time savings that have been made already around things like yellow cards and the times and like, but we've already seen that you know total lapse time has been slashed. Um, we know ball in play, particularly in New Zealand games, is in excess of forty minutes in some cases. So, what's been the general thought about the, the tweaks that have been made to, to the competition this year?
2: Oh, it's been really positive um, from both in inside and outside. Of the rugby establishment or from from the people who run it and the people who watch it uh the the yeah the reaction um to the first few games of the of each of the rounds um in super rugby have uh, you know had people saying like hey this is actually better than it was last year which is the first time that's that's happened um in quite a while and i think it's probably pretty gratifying to the people that they finally they finally actually managed to make some rule changes they Haven't messed everything up and made everyone have to, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah <laughs> have to take a few weeks to get used to it. That it, it's something that's actually been a, a, a positive step forward. Um, my favorite bit has been something that perhaps might I don't know whether it's intentional or not, but because they've sped up the lineouts and meant that you can't do your little huddle and your slow walk in and everything, it's meant that the lineouts have been really contestable, yes, uh, and, and across across the whole the whole competition and it's meant that they haven't been as much of a formality uh anymore yes uh and that you know it's it's just kind of skewed that component of uh, a really key component of the game because you're not just thinking about okay how am i going to defend this drive it's how, how can i actually just go up and get the ball which is what a line out should be should really yes, be yes indeed um just on the other law variations obviously we've talked about the, the tmo referrals i think that's that's going really well um have heard uh from someone up up top that um that will rugby are quite keen on the whole whole deal as well. that's really good that's really encouraging actually I really. think it's going to be if they're going to change it it probably won't be before the World Cup unfortunately no. but you yeah. thought so? it's good that they it's good that they've seen something that's happening in the southern hemisphere and, and want to do something uh, do something with it because it's usually they want to, they want absolutely nothing to do with it. Yeah. Um, but the other one that is quite a big one, which I'm I'm still not sure whether I, where I stand on it, not because it's been, uh, it it, it it's made for for good rugby, um, is the number eight off the back, uh, because sorry, the halfback not being yep. number eight, it's been fantastic for like Hoskins Saturu. Uh, yeah. because he's he's been able to get like a 10-meter yeah. run-up on um, everyone that's played. My only concern about it is because that's not going to be a rule in test matches, whether New Zealand teams are kind of getting over aligned on it and are going to have to snap back into something where it's going to fundamentally change the way you, you look at a scrum. But I think it's made for some really good rugby. I think everything they've done actually has been really good. And like I said before, it's nice to have them actually like do something that works. Um, for a change and and yeah. and like i said it's resulted and from what i understand like better viewing numbers over here um yeah. uh and that generally people a lot of people who are quite critical of super right because it's a pretty easy punching bag over here really <laughs> yeah. over the yeah. last few years um have had to sort of stump up and go actually you know this is this is pretty good
1: Yeah, yeah. Harry, the the point about lineouts is really good. And and all of a sudden, a team like uh, the Brumbies, uh, for example, uh, whose lineout drive has been such a hugely important part of their game, all of a sudden their lineout has come under pressure. And they've, like, they shelled four, I think, on the weekend, were either lost or were blown up for not being straight. And so when strong set-piece teams like that are having their lineout put under pressure, that can only be actually a good thing.
0: Yeah, I think there's two big points that sound out to me and to Jamie's point about making more of a continuous contest for possession of the ball. I think that's a return to the roots. And the reason why a lot of LVs didn't work before is because there were gimmicks and they were trying mm. to trick up rugby. The everything that's been going on is actually returning to fatigue, continuous possession. And, you know, yeah, I mean, it's nice to see a big eight pick up the ball one handed and just storm over a nine. That's lovely. But um, <laughs> I <laughs> but i do think Apo-
1: so I, ap- apologies to any scrum halves who might be offended by this train of thought
0: but just like every time you make any law in life you know there's going to be unintended consequences so i think the mm. law variations favor the bigger deeper teams because fatigue works one way only is you get someone off the bench and if the better yeah. benches are going to win and you can just smash someone now because the it's you know the tight five is ragged by 45 42 minutes mm. and So you're going to have, you know, I I would think the bomb squad for the big teams, if you bring this into the test uh, arena, it's going to favor South Africa and France. It's going to be harder for some other teams that don't have a good bench. I don't
1: know. Yeah, yeah. And we've seen that already, Jamie. All of a sudden, uh, the top eight had actually been pretty tight for the first five Mm -hmm. or six rounds. And suddenly after round seven, there's now seven points between, what is it? Well, between fifth and Six something like that isn't it there's there's seven points between the blues and Highlanders so all of a sudden there's a bit of a gap and that's probably in line with
2: who which teams have the bench depth and which don't yeah I, I think I think a bit of that's down to injuries as well uh um, oh, certainly. Yeah, certainly and and you what you're seeing with the New Zealand teams is who's managed to accumulate better wider trading squads um, yes the, the Highlanders have clearly struggled've they've, they've, they're bringing in guys yeah. who I've, I've literally never heard of and in my mm to note these things so Um, (laughs) and and whereas you've got the blues who are leaving guys like zan sullivan in the stands like not even yeah and uh same in wellington's brothers um balen yeah he's there too yes true but now that now that the injuries are starting to happen um we obviously have the all black rest and rotation bloody policy that everyone loves so much um those squad members are starting to get used and it's the depth of what these teams have been able to accumulate in the off season, which is going, it which is making that that difference. Um, just on the point about the bench, um, then we had a semi serious conversation about this, about how you'd want big number eights just running with the ball, and whether you would stack your bench with like an extra two guys, mm-hmm. two number eights, and just let them just go. Absolutely, get run right for 20, first twenty five minutes. Bring on the next guy for the next twenty five, and then bring on your last guy for the to close to close the game out. So you've got fresh legs, picking that ball off the scrum for the for the whole time. I I think the way that benches are structured probably could do with some sort of overhaul mm. um, at this point in time. And I think this this rule would be a good way to maybe make that happen. Yeah, you
1: you talked very early on, Harry, about you thought we might see six, two benches become a whole lot more common for that exact reason.
0: Yeah. Cause you can marshal your energy more in the back line and you can, I mean, there's just, you're not going to tire out a guy like Borden Barrett, for example, I mean, he's going to be no. fresh, Liam Williams. I mean, these guys are, they just have, you know, unbelievable fitness, but I think if you bring on heavy ball carriers coming off the bench, it can just be devastating in test arena. You know, just, you just have to stop you're stopping Jasper Visa and then you know I'm con, I'm you know whatever believe in Napoli I just imagine mm. the 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 way that it works on your psyche when you're defending um no the configuration of bench is interesting because it's always been uh, kind of a cardinal rule that you must bring on specialists but i don't know if you're coming for final 20 minutes if you have to be so specialist orientated and you could mm. be more heavy gain I'm going to win the gain line I'm going to win the tackle area
1: if you could if you could suddenly have you know, two genuine yeah, seven eights and a and a and a oh, six hybrid lock. Yeah, Pete Samuels. That's a pretty sort of, yeah, yeah yeah yeah. It's interesting. It's, interesting. it's really interesting. Yeah. Uh, Jamie, I mentioned in the intro that less is more in Super Rugby at the moment. We've decided that Easter weekend's the time where you only want four games in play, but it feels like this weekend, another bye weekend, a Hurricanes Chiefs at the cake Tin could be absolutely anything on on Saturday evening.
2: Yep, yep, absolutely. It's. I mean, it's the one game that stands out above in another three-bear weekend. I I have to say, you know, looking at the NRL and the AFL and how they've approached Easter weekend, uh, given that you've got two public holidays games from Thursday it would have been to Monday, a perfect, perfect time to just chuck in some afternoon kickoffs, you know, get the kids along and something. It's it's the weather's been. This would be the weekend for kids around. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, and, and instead, they. They just chucked it in the bin and made it a buy round. Mm. I, I can't believe that. Like I'm I'm starting to really kind of scratch my head as to what like like who's running this comp and <laughs> like what after all the good work that was done in the first sort of four or five weeks. Anyway. Mm. Um, a curious. Yeah, this, well so yeah, on that on
1: that topic actually, Harry, a, a mutual friend of ours has suggested that the Easter weekend should be the time for the super round for that exact yeah. reason. That, that you could put the six games on in one venue, one city, afternoon kickoffs—you so get spread out over four days—and it actually, it's actually a pretty decent idea.
0: I, I've never understood what they're trying to do with how they tell a story in Super Rugby. I mean, there's so many good stories to tell. It's such a good, there's such a good uh, underlying set of factors that they could use, but I just think they botch it
2: um, yeah. uh, again and again. So, yeah, I don't know.
1: Yeah, they do. Uh, Hurricanes Chiefs—it it, it is going to be a ripper, isn't it, Jamie?
2: Yeah, it is. It is. These teams have have history. Um, they they of of putting on really good games um, mm. against one another. Um, they you've got a good spread of all Blacks uh, across the park as well. So it kind of feels like the build up to it is kind of like what that Blues Crusaders game we had um, mm. a few weeks ago that really lived up to the hype. I think this one's going to as well. There's people are starting to believe in the Hurricanes, like I mentioned yep. um, before, uh, and that this game will be the one where I think, you know, we're gonna know whether they're gonna be be really serious contenders. Um the Chiefs I think though have built enough of a platform going forward into this game to be pretty confident of, of what mm. they're doing. Um they are the one team uh that isn't gonna be gonna be affected by this um new coaching set up in the All Blacks. Uh, obviously, they're not going to be affected by this at all. Clayton McMillan's not going anywhere. Yeah. He seems to be very happy where he is, which is good, which is the way it should be, because one of the issues I have with this All Black coaching situation is that you should never be uh, more motivated to go and be an assistant at another another team when you're already head coach of, of an existing one. Um, so I think that what he's, what McMillan's managed to do, given the, Kind of opportunistic way that he ended up with that job in the first place, and what he's managed to achieve in the three Mm. years that he's he's done it has just been absolutely fantastic. Um, There's a few, and and there's a few All Blacks, you know, in there that have a have real points to prove with every game. Every game for these guys is is an opportunity to make a case um, um, for something. Who do you who do you you put in that list? Well, firstly, I'd say Brad Weber, and halfback, really good calls, and he's up against uh, he'll be up against Cam Roygaard, who is uh, a young guy who has, all of a sudden, a lot of people are already anointing him as an all-blade. Yes. Uh, he's, he's a big tall. nine, isn't he? A, he's like a TJ he's six tall. Feet tall. JP. Yeah, so he's he's six feet tall. He's very fast, as we saw on the weekend. He got a 70-meter intercept try. Uh, so that's going to be a really interesting um, battle there. I think Sam Kane has always got something to prove, unfortunately. Yes. like, it's, it's, <laughs> it's, uh, uh, There's always going to be people that are going to be um, – uh, you know, not that impressed by by his, by. I don't know why. I think his work rate isn't just mm-hmm. absolutely phenomenal. Um, he's he's definitely my starting uh, All Black like open side and, and captain at the moment. Um, how he goes against uh, a very strong um, Hurricanes loose forward trio, um, yeah, will be will be really interesting as well. Tasty. And then out the back, out the back of course, you got Sean Stevenson, who's been just yeah, running he's the lights been out, brawling
1: it, not he? Yeah.
2: Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, um, you know, I think he's probably already done enough to have his name put down in the, on the sheet um, for the for the squad um, coming up um, for this All Black season. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, it, it, he doesn't seem to be showing any signs of slowing down um, at all. And um, and then, of course, you've got the ongoing situation of Geordie Barrett at 12. And every time that he pulls that jersey on and goes out and has a really assured display because he's a very much a confidence player. Um, he gets another tick in the column that's going to finally, hopefully, solidify an area <laughs> that the All Blacks have been trying to trying yeah. to sort out since Conrad Smith and Manonu uh, yeah. left. Um, there needs to be someone else next to him, but if they can at least fill that jersey and be like, okay, it's going to be Geordie at 12, like that's mm-hmm. our guy. Because at the moment, the All Black backline, it's like, every position apart from halfback kind of could be anyone yeah yeah that's weird Yeah, Uh, Yeah. and i mean on one hand that's a good thing because it means there's some really good players out there but at the other time it's like when you look at the great all-black teams you look at the world cup winning all-black teams it's you know what that team is months Mm. before it plays so I would I would be quite keen for Joy to really just kind of grab this um, with two hands because he's up against a good Chiefs from the field um, mm. as well. They've, they've had a few guys coming in now, but Alex Nagle has been playing really well as well. Um, Rama Poi he, in there as well. They, these guys aren't going to be All Blacks, but they've been you know yeah, they're, they're they're there about. shutting 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 uh, shutting down a team like the Hurricanes.
1: And he, he fits into twelve really well for the Canes as well. Like he he's played. 12 before, and he's done a job, but now it actually looks like he fits into the, in the number 12 for the Hurricanes.
2: Yeah, yeah, and I, I think also after they lost Nani Lamapi, uh, you know, that was a yes. big weapon that was taken away from their Arsenal, and obviously Bowden Barrett had gone as well, um, and it kind of feels like Geordie almost a mixture of the two of them. Yes, you know, yes. Both, he's literally, both, literally both, the, av- the average of in the middle, yeah. 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 yeah, and so he can kind of do what both of those guys had before. He's not as yeah. much of a smash it up the middle player like La was. Um, but he does have the height and reach to sort of pop those offloads. Yeah. So I I think he, you know, this is a really, really big year for him. He's going to be playing a really big part in um, the All Blacks World Cup campaign Yeah, no
1: doubt.
0: Jamie, do you think do you think Ian Foster actually um watches these kind of matches with keen interest, or does he fall back more on his uh, you know, the longer term view of these players? Like how do you how do you think he rolls?
2: That's a really good question. I, I uh, part of me is like he feels like the sort of coach who would have his team already laid down for the whole year. But then on the other hand, you look at some of the selections that got made last year and it did kind of feel a little bit out of the blue, you know, and the way that some of the players were used. Um, talk about another option in the midfield, Roger us You know, it didn't really feel like he really knew what to do with him. Um, mm. You know there, there was, and it's it's a shame because I I feel like it's just a matter of time before he goes back to the NRL. Or it at least feels a, like that, doesn't it? Or all goes to yeah. Japanese rugby or something because mm. I don't really see him being a part of this uh, part of the All Blacks um, mm. or at least the starting team anyway. Um, and then you had the situation with Geordie himself uh, ending up at, at twelve, more or less by accident because um, because of the injuries yeah. that got <laughs> suffered to um, yeah. uh, Quintapaya. Uh, and and then that 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 problem of the revolving door has finally been solved, but it wasn't because he, he set out to solve it. Um it's then just, you had the, because it,
1: a different round, pe- round pebble happened to fall into the round exactly, hole. Yeah, exactly.
2: and then you had <laughs> yeah. the Kauai Nukwafi situation, who was picked despite having already signed with a, um, a French club. Um and then the whole front row thing again was a kind of similar situation with Geordie where you ended up with Lomax playing best rugby of his life and then De Groot coming in uh, after mm. originally being dropped uh, because of injuries and those guys are now looking at like, well, there's your starting um yeah your first choice propping rotation um, for the all blacks, but again it was because of injuries. So I guess to, to answer your question, Harry, I I uh, maybe he's watching it. I don't know. <laughs> 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 uh, and, and if he is, maybe he's just watching it the same way we do. Um, yeah. but I, I don't see much evidence of uh and this has been the, the, the criticism of Foster the whole time. That the like the, the tactics are there, you know, like we've seen the and yeah. yeah. the drives, but the strategy isn't. And yeah. Yeah. tactics will win your battles, but strategy wins your wars. And exactly. Exactly. that's yeah. where the All Blacks uh and I think that's what the biggest issue the New Zealand public has is because the All Blacks have always had the best strategy. We've always been one step ahead of of everyone else, and now it just feels like we're like every other team. So yeah, um, yeah. I I in in terms of selection, uh, Ian Foster like that's his biggest weakness in my my opinion. Yeah,
1: yeah. Mate, it's been um, it's been fantastic to have you back on. So so glad we got in in touch for for, for this week. It's um it's it's always interesting to hear. That, that slightly different perspective that we don't always get this uh, this this time of year so so thanks so much for coming back on
2: no problem guys always a pleasure anytime no Cheers, worries. give jamie a
1: follow on twitter at jamie wall too and enjoy the extremes that's all we can say unless you like swearing <laughs> the roar harry fantastic to have jamie wall back um a, 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 a favorite friend of the pod it's got to be said we love love having you back on
0: Funny, smart guy, but so non-PC, which is what I love about him. Yeah. He really is going to give you the straight talk. I Love it.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Some uh, some interesting Champions Cup um, results on the weekend. As I mentioned in the intro, the, uh, the South African incursion is over with both the Sharks and the Stormers going down. I don't think there was any great surprises this weekend. Leinster gave Leicester a bit of a thumping. Toulouse were too good for for the Sharks. Uh, Exeter were surprisingly strong against the Stormers, I've got to say. I, I didn't expect a 42-17 scoreline in that one. And then uh, La Rochelle got over the top of, of Saracens as well. So that leaves us with semi finals coming up in two weeks' time, I think. We've got it, yeah, 29th and 30th yeah. of April. Uh, Leinster will play... Toulouse, and uh, Stud Rochelet will host uh, the Exeter Chiefs as well. So um, we'll see how that all plays out. Any real surprises for you? You'd be disappointed in the obviously. I mean,
0: no, home team, you know, won. Uh, I think uh, for the first foray into the into the Heineken, I think uh, South Africa will feel pretty pleased. Uh, yeah. You know, didn't love the way it turned up, but I really I think the home teams took it. It's a real possibility, though, of an all-French final here. Um, yes, so absolutely. Leinster which would be interesting.
1: Absolutely, and that would be that would be interesting in, indeed. That would uh, that would be something. Um, Super rugby, uh, Super W, um, on the weekend saw wins to Queensland over the ACT Brumbies. Uh, the Waratahs inflicted the Fijiana Drua's first defeat in in more than a season in the in the new competition, uh, and then the uh, the Western Force. Um, nudged a close win, 13 5 over the Melbourne Rebels winner on uh, on Saturday evening as well. So um, that's competitions ticking along nicely. The Brumbies host the Rebels this Friday night in Canberra. The Waratahs in Queensland face off in in Sydney on Sunday afternoon. And then the Force host the, uh, the Drua. Uh, over there in Perth on Sunday afternoon as well. So uh, get along and check that out uh, if you possibly can. Super Rugby this weekend is round eight. Um, Four teams having the bye again, which I sort of get the point of putting the bye rounds all together in this middle part of the year. But as we sort of said earlier, there's a few, I think, question marks over how they're doing it. Moana Pacifica hosting the Queensland Reds in Apia on Friday for the first game, followed by the... ACT Brumbies and the Fiji Fiji Drua in Canberra. The Hurricanes Chiefs in Wellington on Saturday will be a ripper, and then the Waratahs and Western Force uh, face off in Sydney on uh, on Saturday night as well. The Singapore Sevens wrapped up on the weekend with uh, the All Black Sevens uh, securing their fourth title of the World Sevens Series year this year, it secured their Olympic qualification uh, in the process, which was which was good. Um, Dave Rennie could maybe be in the frame to return to coaching in super rugby with the blues Uh, Mm. was rumored to be off to, to Japan, but, but with Leon McDonald firmly in the frame to join Scott Robinson's all black teams next year, then suddenly uh, the, there's reports in New Zealand that the blues have moved in to make Rennie an offer, which would be, which would be interesting. And would be great to see him back in. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah, I'd be
1: really happy with that on the topic of the blues, Tom Robertson is set to leave Super Pacific next year and head to Japan, according to a, another report over the Tasman. Um, set to join Toyota for Blitz with which is Steve Hansen's side, which then has the flow-on effect of Peter Steph Duteit leaving the for Blitz with a with, he's been linked to a return to South Africa with uh, the Stormers potentially. Mm-hmm. So that'd be pretty handy. I could yeah, your smile gives away everything there. <laughs> so he, he again, he was rumoured to be. Joining or having talks with Talon, but it looks like that's all fallen apart as well. Yeah, and they can
0: they can pay him a lot a lot less, you know, when he's living in, at his family's farm, you know, ten kilometers from the training. True, game, so. true, very true, Life very style, true. Yeah.
1: Uh, after saying only last week, maybe the week before, that looks like Rassi might get Nigel. It all looks like Nigel might have turned him down.
0: Nigel in said no at the end. Yeah. Yes.
1: Fallen over at the last hurdle, it would seem. So that would have been a very curious marriage, that's for sure. And um, Rossi and
0: and referees, they just have a tough time getting married. Yeah,
1: could be anything. (laughs) Could have been anything. And Namani Nandolo announced his retirement last Thursday Mm. as well from uh, standing down from rugby at the end of the year. And he said uh, in commentary with Stan Sport over the weekend that he's now just focused on finishing this season for the Waratahs as, uh, as, as strongly as he possibly could. And we certainly... Certainly wish him well on that front. Uh, t- tipping tipping news, mate. Um, we all got perfect cards again this week. It was a it was a weekend that could have gone south for all of us, but we all picked the same, so it was all fine. And uh, and the tipping panel is back on Thursday, as always, on the raw.com.au. But mate, that is us done for episode 57 of the RAW rugby podcast. Don't forget, Harry and I are both on the socials, and please leave us a rating or review if your pod platform allows it as so many of you have done over the last week or so as well Uh, also don't forget to like follow subscribe and uh, guarantee you see every new episode as soon as it goes live it's the raw rugby podcast with me brett mckay and harry jones every week on the raw.com.au australia's biggest sporting debate home of all your favorite rugby analysis opinions and conversations thanks so much for listening We'll be back in your ears next week
0: Come play with us.